Hey guys, before we start today's podcast, I got a couple of quick iTunes thanks to give. First to Burn Them All, who gave me two stars and said, Host is insufferable. Sorry to make you suffer. Hopefully you won't have to anymore. And uh, the other Justin Thomas, both of these are in the U.S. iTunes store. I am an aspiring podcast who has released my first cast with an interview segment I'm planning on doing as long as I can. But I love history and I'm trying to release my first episode of what I call the Broad-Cast that doesn't focus only on Vikings but is going to cover it heavily, especially next season when I am more established. Your cast is something I don't listen to but study. You are great at what you do and do what many others can't, won't, or don't. Thanks for the great content. Thank you, the other Justin Thomas. And of course, Christina the Quina. I think I mentioned her before, but thank you so much all for your reviews. And um, keep them coming, folks. Thank you. Hello, listeners. Matt here. Hey, are you Pottern Family? Go on Twitter and search the hashtag Pottern Family or follow at Pottern Family to find a bevy of great podcasts, including this one. That's hashtag Pottern Family or at Pottern Family on Twitter. By the way, spoiler alert, this podcast will be talking about the most recent episode of the show that it covers. So if you're not caught up, come back when you are if you don't want to be spoiled. Don't worry, we'll be here waiting. Part of the Rewatching Good TV Network. It's Ragnar Cast, a Vikings podcast. And now here's your host, Matt Murdick. Hey everybody, welcome back to RagnarCast. It's episode 18 of the podcast and we are covering season 4 episode 18 of Vikings titled Revenge, written by Michael Hurst and directed by Jeff Wolno. And it first aired on January 18th of 2017 and was viewed in its first airing by an estimated 2.47 million viewers. The ratings continue to stay pretty steady for this show um, despite the fact that Ragnar is gone. Uh, which is a testament to the fact that uh, they've developed enough characters that we have an interest in them and want to keep seeing what's going on with them. And I think that that's great. Um, that's all I'll say right now until we get into our actual breakdown of the episode. But my name is Matt Murdick, and I am from ragnarcast.wordpress.com. That's where you can find all of the back episodes of the podcast. You can also find our contact links like ragnarcast at gmail.com if you want to send me an email. Or if you want to tweet at me, just tweet at ragnarcast. Or if you want to leave a voicemail, you can call 314-669-1840. Don't have any voicemails this week, at least not according to my Google Voice indicator. So um, feel free. Uh, make it easy. Just leave your uh, your thoughts, like your three-word description of the episode or your, uh, your frig of the week, which is the best coupling of the week. Or you can leave your suggestion for a Ragnarism, the best quotes from the episode. And we put them out a little bit. Also, we have podcast app links. 
And if you want to take the time to leave me a review on iTunes or Stitcher, I would very much appreciate it. The written kind helps me most, helps me stay more noticeable among the other shows that are covering Vikings on the History Channel. That's enough about the podcast. And the first segment that we do have up is the Ragnarisms. That's our favorite quotes from the episode or our favorite scenes from the episode. Got a couple suggestions here from listeners at CutePoison10 on Twitter. That's our friend Christine says, Eckbert and Aethelwolf dinner scene. That's a good one. And two fangirls. That's at the number two fan and girls with a Z. That's our friend Robin says, the wedding night, which I guess is the conversation between Uba and Fitzek and Margaret. I can. I don't know if it's Margaret or Marguerite. I think one of them pronounces it one way and the other one pronounces it the other. But uh, either way, uh, that we'll have those for you right now. I don't think it's fair that I should keep Margaret to myself. It doesn't feel right. We all want to turn just because I'm the oldest. I know that you like each other. I can see. So? What do you think? Fitzirk? I think that you should ask Margaret. You're talking about sharing me? Yes. How can you not be jealous? Both of you? Both of you? <laughs> because we are Vikings. <laughs> Let's see if it's true. great heathen army that had come to destroy us. That is why I have placed you in command of our armies. I trust you completely. That's why I always used you. 
Be in love, the assistant. Right. You love Ragnar Lothbrok. You love Judith. Say so. I need you to say so. Please. Please. Good stuff there. Thank you, girls, for submitting those. And let's get into talking about this episode. And I, I think I'm going to lump some of this all together. And I, I do want to talk a little bit about last week as well, or rather the Great Army episode, because I had to be so brief uh, before, and I apologize for that. Uh, So I'll include some of my thoughts about that episode and how it led into this episode as we go along. But grouping it kind of by subject, uh, let's talk about the love interest first. And the question that I have is, you know, I remember at one point talking about Michael Hurst being a little political with some of the stuff. And now, um, while I could see a Viking and a uh, society, a pagan society being maybe slightly more progressive sexually than, than you know, say the, the strictness of a Catholicism uh, that was present in most of the medieval times, I wonder if... Hearst is merely trying to um, just interject those ideas to make it more current uh, for a viewing audience as opposed to being historically accurate. And I honestly, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. You'll have to let me know. Again, you can send emails or you can tweet me or you can call the lines, which I just uh, gave a a couple of minutes ago. But um, are they just trying to make things more progressive or was this the way this society actually was? That's kind of an overall thought, but let's go back to the great army episode with this whole Bjorn Astrid thing, which I really didn't address. I mean, that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and it made me ask, has that actually been going on for a while? And this was just the first time that we saw it or not. Um, it seemed a little weird. They, they seemed to be very confrontational and then all of a sudden kissing and it almost it's like that classic trope of two people arguing and then kissing because they're arguing out of, you know, kind of feigning the arguing. So I, I didn't know what to expect of that. And then we get to this episode where you have um, Bjorn basically leaving a very important sacrifice, him and Astrid both leaving a very important sacrifice and going and doing this act while the sacrifice is going on. And I I wonder what that means for Bjorn in terms of the eyes of the gods or the way that, you know, Lagatha or Torvi will perceive their position with the gods now. Um, It seems very weird. And I really feel bad for Torvi. Bjorn's treated Torvi like crap ever since he got back from Spain and I'm you know it just I feel bad for Torvi I really do um and Lagatha seems a little hurt by it I mean she gave Astrid that warning you know I hope you enjoyed yourself I don't know if that was a warning or just just kind of a passive aggressive mention um it just seemed a, a, a little bit weird 
But I'm thinking at it from Astrid's angle. Remember she went and visited Ube and Sigurd um, very early on after they returned to Kattegat, you know, and, and threatened them. But she also started out that conversation by acting like she wanted to be friends with them. And I wonder if Astrid's whole thing is she just wants some of the Ragnar blood in her own children. If, if that's why she's doing this. And obviously Bjorn is now accommodating her. Um, but that can't help but create a tremendous amount of tension between, you know, Lagatha seems very loyal to Torvi as well. Um, and of course, you know, she's got an interest in Astrid. Um, although you have to admit, Lagatha has been spouting on about Ragnar for quite a while, you know, so maybe Astrid is just looking for love in another place because she's not getting it from Lagatha. It's all kind of very weird, but could it end up where, you know, we have this prophecy about Lagatha, which hopefully won't happen for a long time, but we have this prophecy uh, from the seer about Lagatha that one of the sons of Ragnar will kill her. He doesn't say specifically which one. Should we just think that it's going to be Ivar? Um, Could it possibly be Bjorn uh, over this whole Astrid thing? What, you know, could it turn mother and son against each other? Um, Like I said, hopefully we'll have to wait on that for a while. And then another love interest here, of course, is Uba and Fitzik and Margaret. And I can imagine Viking men sharing the same woman, but much more so from kind of a strictly horribly sexual assault kind of way that I could see was the society really that progressive that Margaret would be given the choice. Now I could see Fitzek and, and Ubit deciding for themselves saying, yeah, we'll just share her. But, uh, they actually gave the choice to Margaret and that was kind of, uh, weird. Um, just putting it in the context of the time. Again, just putting it in the context of the time. I guess if you're Margaret, it's really kind of a win-win situation, right? And and she doesn't really have to choose to love either of them. She can just be with both of them. I think that her and, and Fitzek seemed to share a moment there that Uba recognized. And it was... <laughs> how, how do you even put this in a context? Was Uba being a bigger man by inviting Fitzek into their marriage? I don't understand. Doesn't that still kind of place Margaret in this whole slave perspective that, um, you know, where she's really no different than she was before, except now they've, I guess they've given her the choice, but how's Sickert going to feel about that? He liked her too. Um, Ivar was like, you know, you're not going to be with anybody but me. What, what, what's, what's this going to cause between all of these brothers? Obviously, I guess Ivar is okay with it because he allowed the, he didn't, you know, say anything about the marriage, um, which is another storyline, which was from earlier this season, which just seems to now have been totally dropped. Um, which is a kind of a complaint that I have about a lot of episodes of Vikings. They introduce something and then they just let it go. Uh, there is one issue that came up uh, this week that finally they addressed, which I was happy to. They, I've been asking if they'd let it go, Aethelwolf and Judith thing and, and Eckbert thing. We'll get to that in a minute. But um, as far as the uh, the wedding, you know, the ceremony I, and and the kind of the the 
reception I thought was much more interesting than the honeymoon stuff. But I really can't see this ending well for Fitzek and, and Uba. Um, are they going to end up turning against one another over her? I mean, that's something that you have to fear as well. And the other love relationship, I guess, that we need to talk about in the context of the last two weeks is is Floki and Helga. I mean, last week, it seemed like they just totally dropped the whole Floki feeling lost thing, and then they bring it back. Uh, well, they totally dropped it during the Great Army episode, and then they brought it back in this Revenge episode. Um, I, I just, I'm having trouble seeing where they're trying to go with Floki right now, because he is being uh, a Viking, I mean, he goes with the great army to England, so he's doing that. But um, this whole thing about leaving Helga behind, he's never really done that since she's been allowed to come along with him in the first time. Um, so why now all of a sudden is, is it the child? Is that what's going on? I mean, rather than him actually being concerned for the child, I feel much more like this was, uh, you know, he just didn't want to be around the child. But at the same time, he feels lost because of the whole thing that happened with him in the Muslim temple. So what is going on there? I mean, does he just not want that around because it makes him feel like he's being drawn away from his gods? Is he just conflicted? Um, he wasn't really doing it out of concern for the girl, I don't think, because he didn't want her along in the first place. Um, so what's happening with the, the Floki Helga marriage? Because I would feel terrible. I, I understand Helga's pain. Absolutely. Of, of losing their daughter and wanting another daughter. Um, I also admire the fact that she wanted to be with Floki. She wanted to take their daughter with them. And, and, and like she had when they'd gone to Paris, um, when they'd gone to Spain, you know, she wanted to, to be there in support of her husband, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I worry about that marriage, and I feel like as goes that marriage, so will go the uh, the fate of Cadigat, to be perfectly honest, kind of as a symbolic uh, parallel. And like I mentioned earlier, as far as Wessex, we finally get that episode, or at least that scene, that I've been wanting all season. Um, and why did they wait so long? Well, obviously, because at least one, if not both of these guys are going to die. And we had to get that feeling out on the table before, you know, the end, which is something that I said that they had to start to get to. But I just almost feel like it's a little bit too late. Um, you know, I wasn't as invested in it. And don't get me wrong. It was a great scene. I think it was one of the better scenes of this episode. Uh, and I don't even like Aethelwolf that much, to be perfectly honest, but I did feel for him. Um, you know, <laughs> seems like uh, all of the characters uh, in one way or another, because Ragnar was such a father, uh, all of the characters have father issues and Aethelwolf is no different. But uh, to get all of that out in the open, um, while it was good, again, just felt a little bit too late for me. Obviously, you know, Aethelwolf is a sacrifice that Eckbert is putting out there. He keeps pushing him towards, you know, defending the realm. And, and Aethelwolf knows he's going to die. So he wants these answers. Um, and he probably didn't get all of the answers that he was hoping for. Poor guy. And that made me actually feel for Aethelwolf for a moment. They actually uh, humanized him in a way. Um, but um, it's obvious that Eckbert would much rather have Alfred as his true heir. 
um, than Aetherwolf, which again, um, you know, Alfred isn't even really a legitimate blood of the throne. It just makes me not like Eckbert again, um, where there were moments where I really liked the fact that he wanted to see Ragnar, you know, he wanted to be with Ragnar when Ragnar met his end and, and really admired Ragnar. Now it's just back to, you know, Eckbert being Eckbert and um, thinking of himself and, and his power first, which kind of reminds me of that whole uh, wine scene back in the Great Army episode with with Eckbert and Alfred. Um, you just can't imagine that, that Eckbert gave these kinds of lessons to Aethelwolf, right? You know, he's trying to teach Alfred how to be a ruler and kind of in a cruel way, uh, which again makes me not like Eckbert all that much. Um, and you have in this episode, Judith, who, you know, well, between the great episode, the great army episode and the revenge episode, uh, you know, I liked her standing up to her father and, and, and showing that she still cared enough for him to warn him. Um, and he was a total butt to her, but, um, she's not all that likable herself, you know, the way that she is, uh, uh, obviously, you know, not invested in her husband at all. And she's instead invested in Eckbert and, and, and more or less, you know, in a very subtle way, kind of flaunting it to, to Aethelwolf. Uh, it's just, it, I, I admire the fact that Judith wants women to be elevated in the position of society and should be considered equal. Again, another very progressive thing brought up in a medieval time where um, those kind of progressive thoughts were not, um, and shouldn't even be progressive, really. It should just be fact, um, you know, but those, those kind of thoughts were just not acceptable in the society. And you see the difference between the way Eckbert handles it and the way Ayla handles it, which makes Eckbert a little better than Ayla, but still... Uh, I admire Judith standing up for these positions, but, um, you know, I, it's a way, the whole dynamic between her and Aethelwolf and, and Eckbert just made me really not like anybody uh, this episode and just made me feel sorry for Aethelwolf. But I think that's what it was supposed to do. So in that way, the scene really worked. Um, so, you know, that's the way that goes. Going back to Cadigat, and speaking of kings and everything, and we have Harold and his brother and this bastard of an earl whose name I can never remember. They're surveying these defenses and everything, and there is a looming threat that could be the calamity for Cadigat. And I just thought about this. It's like, you know, would Harold be willing to just burn the place down and start over in order to get what he wants? Uh, because all... The last, since season four started, they started adding fire uh, to the credit scenes and everything. And I can't help but feel like that that's something that um, is going to happen in this show. And, and could the only way to be to get these defenses down be to burn them down and they just get so far out of control? Because um, I, I don't trust this bastard of Earl. I mean, Harold, I know. And I know that he's deceitful. But I, this this bastard of this earl i just don't know what lengths he's capable of going to um just in order to win which seems very uh very daunting and i can't help but feel like even if there's not a, a direct fire that's going to happen at some point here is is it possible that um the 
the everything being in flames and the credit is is at least metaphoric for the calamity that is coming to to Kattegat. It's just kind of burning up in, in itself um, metaphorically. Oh boy, I just keep rambling on. Um, what else? Oh, return of a lot of rituals this week. We had uh, the wedding ritual that was interesting, as well as that race. And I didn't quite comprehend where they were racing and how they were deciding to turn back and forth and all of that. The rules of the race were a little weird. Um, The objective of the race was just, I guess, the loser has to be the servant to everybody during the reception. Um, I wouldn't think you'd let the groom lose in that case, right? Uh, But it was still fun to see, and it was nice to have a nice little happy moment before uh, they took off for England. And then the other big ritual, of course, was the great sacrifice. And it's been a while since we had the human sacrifice going on uh, in the Viking world. We hadn't seen that in a while. But again, you pair that with Bjorn and Astrid. And and while I understand, the whole idea was to make it this parallel about ecstasy. You know, the ecstasy that Bjorn and Astrid are feeling, as well as the ecstasy of the man who is sacrificing himself. And he's probably seeing Valhalla right as he dies um, but it just was kind of a weird pairing. Um, and like I said before, I just wonder what this might mean that their Astrid and Bjorn's absence from the sacrifice. What will this mean for Bjorn's success overall in the eyes of their gods? I would think that that would be an insult. And you couple this with Ivar kind of wanting to run the show as well as Bjorn insisting that he run the show. Um, you kind of wonder if there's a transfer of power about to take place where Ivar kind of becomes the number one Ragnar son as opposed to Bjorn. And could this be part of the root of it? Because Bjorn has kind of dissed the gods in a way. Um, We'll have to see, I guess. And then uh, I guess that kind of brings me to the final battle. And and talking about Ivar just a minute ago, seeing him on that cart, both in the great army episode when Floki first made it and gave it to him, that I thought that, that was a great scene. Um, and then seeing him on the battlefield, and that was such a great tribute. There, if you uh, look up Ivar the Boneless uh, Wikipedia page, there's a, a picture of uh, Ivar in a cart swinging a great. Um, I, I don't know if he's swinging an axe or a hammer or, or a sword. I can't remember now, but it just this putting him on the cart was just so iconic to that image. Um, and I, I just love that. I, I thought that that was fantastic. And just the expression of Ayla, you know, he's all confident and everything and he's been praying and he's done all of his righteous Christian stuff and, and he looks and doesn't seem like there's that much of an army. And then they just keep coming and they keep coming over the hill. And they keep coming over the hill. And to see Ayla's face change and, and the bishop's face change as well, um, that was a very satisfying moment for me. Uh, I, I, I did uh, like that. And while, you know, the method which with which they sacrificed or killed Ayla was very brutal. And, and, and uh, the Blood Eagle we hadn't seen for quite a while either. It's been several seasons um, since we've seen the the Blood Eagle, and this one was really done up big time. Um, one thing that I didn't expect was Ayla to crack so much and try and and grovel and and buy his freedom. 
Um, that was the last moment of cowardice. And, and I was, you know, when he was getting nailed down to where they could do the blood Eagle, I was kind of thinking, well, Ayla's got his crucifix moment, you know, but the whole trying to buy his own freedom off, I guess you could make that to like where if he wanted to truly compare himself to, to the Christian God, like he seems to have wanted to ever since, uh, because that imagery of him getting nailed down was very iconic to the to the Jesus Christ Im- imagery. But um, I guess you could think of the uh, the the idea of trying to buy his freedom as being like Christ's last temptation, where he went to the Olive Garden and he prayed and he was in fear and everything, and an angel came to him. Um, no angel came to comfort Ayla, that's for sure. Uh, the the blood eagle was just horrendous. And uh, I actually felt very satisfied by that, as well as the intensity of, of, of Ayla and, and um, the conversations with Bjorn and all of the brothers. I mean, all of those kind of iconic hero shots on the hill, um, even with Floki. And then you have this scene at the, at the place where Ragnar died. Um, the fact that Ivar drug Ayla with his cart uh, to the place where where uh, Ragnar died, and then those intense conversations where they were looking at the place where Ragnar died, and then they blood eagle him. I mean, all of that, all of that was really good. Um, so I guess that brings me to my rating, and and it was the satisfaction of of them boy of the boys getting revenge on Ayla that uh, really helped, and and finally even though I thought it was a little bit too late, finally getting that Aethelwulf Egbert conversation, um, that really helped elevate this episode for me because I still feel like that other aspects of the story are kind of wandering. They're looking for a direction um, and things are just kind of left too vague or, or they're just too far out of left field for me to really sink my teeth into yet. Now I say yet, because I hope that they, they do pan out to mean something. Uh, but there's only a couple of episodes left. So if they're going to make it mean something for this season, they've got some wrapping up to do. We still have to see if uh, Ivar carries out his uh, father's request and manages to get revenge on Eckbert, which will probably mean also in order to get to Eckbert, they'll have to uh, kill Aethelwolf. And I think that probably Ivar would want to kill Aethelwolf anyway because of the way he saw Aethelwolf have... Uh, Ragnar beaten out there in the courtyard when they first visited so uh, we have to see if all of that comes to pass or whether uh, Ragnar has to bide his time we also have to worry of course about Lagatha at all times which of Ragnar's sons is going to end up killing her they all want to except for Bjorn um, and Fitzek hasn't really said too much Sigurd hasn't has kind of said he's not going to take revenge so there's really just Uba and uh, and Ivar, uh, I guess, uh, paired against Bjorn, but it can't all be good. There's a lot to try and, and work through in these last two episodes. Anyway, I'm going to give this episode an 8.1 uh, because I do feel like the Floki and the Helga stuff is, is kind of just kind of out there and not really going anywhere and not really defining itself. And then you have uh, the whole thing with uh, Bjorn and Astrid, which is just totally out of left field. Um, and doesn't make much sense, uh, even though I'm trying to grasp at straws to make it make sense. Um, so I can't really go any higher than an 8.1 for this episode. Hey, have I talked enough? 
let's hear what some of your thoughts are in terms of like our three word descriptions and the frig of the week. All of that is coming up next. Three little words. Oh, what I'd give for that wonderful phrase. To hear those three little words. Three words. Tried to describe this episode in three words. Not a whole lot of submissions this week, but I'll give you mine first. Uh, I've got a couple. Ritual, rich episode. Try and say that three times fast. I can't even say the word ritual very well. Ritual, rich episode. Just something that my mouth doesn't form very well. But you've got weddings to sacrifice to revenge. All, all kinds of, of rituals going on in this episode. And that kind of leads me to my second set of three words, which I put on uh, Twitter earlier last week. And that was uh, satisfying blood eagle. It was good to see Ayla finally get his for the way that he treated Ragnar uh, in Ragnar's last moments. It was uh, terrible, the way that Ragnar was treated. So it was good to see the Blood Eagle revenge. Even though, in a way, the way they shot it, it did end up almost making it look like Ayla was a, a, a religious sacrifice uh, for the Christians rather than a religious sacrifice uh, for the Vikings. But nonetheless, uh, I won third set. And that's Rolo missed out. You know, I didn't talk about Rolo in the, in the Great Army episode where he went back to Gisla and she just beat the hell out of him. Um, he didn't really have a choice, I guess. He couldn't very well go back to Kattegat and, and expect to live. So he really kind of had to go back to France when Bjorn decided to turn the boat around and head back for revenge. But, um, you know, he's not getting any love from, from Gisla uh, anytime soon. That is for sure. The poor girl, uh, she she was pretty mad. It was great how she talked him up uh, Right, you know, when the children were around and then as soon as everybody was gone, just let him have it. I thought that was fantastic. He had that coming. But I kind of liked that he wanted to be a Viking again for a minute. It's just a shame that he didn't get to take any revenge. I guess he wouldn't want to take revenge. I don't know. They kind of had that conversation on the boat, but it didn't really amount to much. I've rambled enough, have I not? Um, how about this? Uh, we had, did have one for the Great Army, and that was from... Taco Gore with two R's, one, complete worldwide devastation, which is uh, what may very well happen, with, uh, especially if Ivar takes control of this great heathen army. We'll have to see. But uh, good stuff there. At two fangirls, that's the number two, and girls with a Z, that's Robin, says, Ragnar's son's defeat. And they did. They defeated the, the, the first end of it we'll have to see if Ivar carries out the second end of it as Ragnar wanted him to I suspect he will especially given that conversation since we finally got it between uh, Wolf and Eckbert this week I suspect that, that is coming and then uh, our friend Christine at cute poison 10 says no good father and uh, yeah uh, Eckbert's not much of a daddy he certainly isn't. <laughs> Christine can can associate this with me. Um, we started out with uh, Lost podcasting. I did a podcast called Keys to Lost, and it seems like all of Lost was about everybody having daddy issues. And obviously, Aethelwolf has his own daddy issue here. Daddy issues are easy to write about. I cover Sorkin shows where the, uh, there's a lot of daddy issues going on there as well. Anyway. 
Uh, those are the three words for this week. Thanks for submitting them. We'll get to the frig of the week. That's the best coupling of the week next. That's the best pairing or coupling of the week. Doesn't necessarily have to be two people, although the submissions that we have this week are two people. Like uh, Christine at Cute Poison Ten on Twitter said, Ayla and Bjorn also added that she gave it a 7.5 as an overall rating. Thank you, Christine. Uh, yeah, that's uh, a good one. Uh, their face off. And then uh, at Two Fangirls, that's the number two and Z uh, instead of an S. Uh, it's Robin says Ivar and Ayla. So um, there's a lot of intensity in the, in those talks, and and that's good that you would pair them up like that. I went more abstract. I went Ayla and the Blood Eagle, Ayla and the Ritual, um, because that was the uh, the most orgasmic moment for myself. Uh, I guess probably it was um, it was very satisfying for me because uh, God love that actor. He really made me hate Ayla. A whole lot um all every time he was on really um from the way that he treated judith to the way that he treated ragnar to um just his overall demeanor um great actor doing a great job and then uh, the satisfying moment of of seeing that army coming over the hill and the look of surprise and shock and knowing that it wasn't going to go well um great acting from that guy we'll we'll miss his acting that's for sure we're losing lots of characters this season i get the feeling so um, hopefully not Lagatha too, even though that prophecy is out there. I don't think we will. I'm pretty sure that we won't. But um, we're losing lots of characters this season. And uh, that's it for the Frig of the Week this time around. Um, just a couple of notes of feedback next. Doing love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. So last week I got a tweet from our friend Shanna, who is at xhanna91 on Twitter uh, about the great army and said, absolutely hated the last episode. Nothing made sense. Inconsistencies everywhere. Not looking good. Well, hopefully, Shanna, you got some satisfaction this week, if for nothing else than just for the revenge. I do. I'm with you. There's there's certain storylines where it just seems like they're just kind of waffling and, and trying to figure out where to go with it. Um, and so they're putting them in a holding pattern or they're just trying to throw things in in order to try and keep things interesting. But instead, it just kind of seems like it's just too far from left field 
So I'm in total agreement with you in, in con- having concern. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what they do with the last two episodes of this season um, and into season five, which they are filming right now. Hopefully it will mean uh, good things are still on the way for Vikings. As for the poll results, how you all voted to rate this episode, three vote getters. Third place was nine out of ten with 20 percent of the vote. Second place was seven out of 10, pardon me, with 33 and a third percent of the vote. And the number one vote getter was eight out of 10 with 46 and two thirds percent of the vote. We'll be back next week. I'm not exactly sure what time it may be Monday. It may be Tuesday. It may be Sunday morning. Um, We're in the process of traveling again. Uh, where we're going to be held up in Key West for two weeks, playing at a club called Chicago's. If you happen to be in Key West and want to come see us, we'll be there from 31st of January through the 13th of February, but we've got a two-day drive to get there. So i got to figure out how I can drop this episode in. Uh, if you want to send feedback, you're about to get the contact information, and we'll see you next time on the RagnarCast. Thanks for listening. Contact the podcast by emailing ragnarcast at gmail.com or by calling 314-669-1840. Tweet to the podcast at ragnarcast. Please leave the podcast a written review on your podcatcher and find all back episodes and other links at ragnarcast.wordpress.com.